Okay, Beruchim Abayim, welcome everyone. So we're continuing our study of Simha. Today's class number 36. Today's class will be given Lailu Nishmat, my father, Allah Shalom, Biyom Tov Ben Zakiya. Ruach Hashem, Tenechenu Begen Aiden, Amen. As we're learning about Simha, we moved into Emunah. The subject of Emunah is extremely wide and long, has many aspects to it. One of the most important parts of Emunah is when a person is living their daily life, they're living with the understanding that life has nisyonot. Life has different challenges. That's part of emunah. It means when you're going through something in life, it means that there is someone behind it and it's meant for you. So emunah is not just believing in God. Emunah means understanding the challenges of life. And the better you understand the challenges, the better you are at making those challenges a success, which will raise the person and their simha. So the last few weeks we've been discussing different challenges that we go through in our lives. Today, we will discuss one of the bigger challenges. You know, the challenges that we speak about the ones that are easier than others are the ones that we recognize. Meaning, God forbid, someone's going through a hard time in business or health-wise or getting married or having children. Those challenges, I don't want to say they're easy, but they're easy to recognize that they're challenges. But then there are many challenges that you don't even realize that you're being challenged. And you're getting swallowed up without even realizing it. Those are the most dangerous challenges. Today we'll be speaking about one of them. It has to do with the parasha this past week. The pasuk says, one of the most famous pasukim probably in the Torah, Bil'am Harasha says it. He says, Matovu ohalecha Yaakov, Mishkenotecha Yisrael. So he refers just in simple English, we'll explain. He says, how good are your tents, Yaakov? Mishkenotecha is your dwelling place, Yisrael. Yisrael and Yaakov are basically the same, they're explaining the same person. Yaakov Avinu, we are called Bnei Yaakov. We are also called Bnei Yisrael, because Yaakov had another name, which was Yisrael. He was given an upgrade to his name, name Yisrael. So when we refer to someone as a Yaakov or as a Yisrael, we're referring to the same person or the same nation. Why does Bil'am refer to us beginning as Yaakov and then as a Yisrael? Rav Chaim Palachi, Shalom, he writes that the word Yaakov describes the Jewish people when they're involved in worldly things. 
And the word Yisrael describes the Jewish people when they're involved in spiritual things. So when I'm eating, that's Yaakov. When I'm going to work, that's Yaakov. When I'm going to do a mitzvah, when I'm going to learn, I'm Yisrael. Today, right now, we're all involved. They would call us right now Yisrael. Because we're involved in something that's above physical. So my physical existence as a Jew is called Yaakov. My spiritual part of my life is called my Yisrael. Bil'am uses the word Ohalim by Yaakov. Ohel is a tent. And by Yisrael, he uses the word Mishkan, Mishkenotecha. The word Ohel means a tent. A tent is something that is temporary by nature. People pitch a tent for a night, for a day, for two days. A Mishkan is a dwelling place. It's an area that you live in, kavua, set. So one more time. Ohel is temporary. A Mishkan is set. It's kavua. Says Bil'am, Matobu ohalecha Yaakov, Mishkenotecha Yisrael. You know, when the people, when the Jewish people are people to be jealous of? Do you know when they get a blessing even from a goy? He's looking at them and he's amazed. And he says the word matovu. Tovu means beautiful. Tovu means perfect. Tovu means happy. Tovu means great. Matovu, not just tovu. Matovu. Matovu means wow. I don't even know how great. Matovu. You know when you can get in your life and in my life, when we can get the words matovu? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves. Do you get right now on your forehead when someone looks at you and says, wow, matovu, amazing. Well, I'll tell you when you will get that. If you have ohalecha Yaakov. If your physical existence is an ohel, ohel means it's temporary. And when your Yisrael existence is mishkenotecha, when you can have that in your life, on you will be said, matovu, how awesome of a person you are. One more time. If your physical existence is your temporary existence and your spiritual existence is your real existence, then you will have the pasuk matovu said on you. The point is not to get pasukim said about us. The point is to realize that this is a tremendous secret of our happiness in life, as we're going to explain in this class. Open up Mesilat Yesharim. He writes in the first chapter that the purpose of this world is that a person reaches a level of what he calls lehit aneg, to have pleasure, 
Al Hashem, the pleasure of being connected to Hashem. The highest he calls that Ta'anug Amiti. He calls it the true pleasure and the highest pleasure. Which is again, that a person lives connected to his Creator. For most people, that's talking things that are way beyond our even dreams. What does that mean to be connected to Hashem? But we're going to try to explain a little bit as he explains. He says, quoting a Mishnah Perkeavot, the very famous Mishnah, the Mishnah says, Ha'olam Hazeh, this world, there's Olam Hazeh and there's Olam Haba. In order to reach the high pleasures of life, you must know the relationship of this world and the next world and what that has to do with your daily existence. He says, the Olam Hazeh, this world, is dome is similar le perozdor to a hallway bifne haolam haba. So you have to imagine this world and the next world. The next world is the big ballroom. Okay, it's all a mashal, of course, as you know. It's a ballroom, and this world is the hallway. Hatken atzmecha ba prozdor, which means fix yourself in the hallway. So you can get into the ballroom. Says the Mesilat Yesharim, the only way to get this ta'anug, this great pleasure, is you have to go through olamazeh. You have to go through the hallway called this world, and then you will be able to reach olam haba and the pleasure of olam haba. First of all, being that it's compared to a hallway, it's telling you basically there's no other way to get in. When you have a ballroom and a hallway to the ballroom, there's no other way. People could try to jump from other places, but you can't get in. The only way to get to Olam Haba is through this hallway called Olam Hazeh. But here's a mistake that we make, thinking that the pleasures of this world don't exist. And the pleasures are really in Olam Abba. This world you have to suffer. This world you have to go through pain. This world is not a great place. But, Baruch Hashem, the world to come is going to be a beautiful place. We'll just have to wait to get there. But that's not true. That's a terrible, terrible mistake. The truth is, whatever you prepare for in life, you have to prepare with the same item. So for example, right here, if we're preparing to have pleasure in the next world, so the preparation is to have pleasure in this world. There is no way you're going to go to the world of pleasure and be able to enjoy the pleasure if you don't have any connection to that pleasure. When we speak about Olam Haba being the real pleasure, it doesn't mean it's only in Olam Haba. Even in this world, there is a me'en olam haba. Me'en olam haba means, it's like a training course for olam haba. The way to train for olam haba, for the pleasures of olam haba, is you have to find the pleasures of olam haba in this world. If you're not living a life of pleasure in this world, 
That means you're not preparing for Olam Abba. Olam Abba is a banquet of pleasures. And the Olam Hazeh is meant to take you there by preparing in the hallway for the pleasures. You know, notice, if you have a beautiful ballroom, gorgeous ballroom, made up of who knows what kinds of materials, the hallway usually matches. Nobody makes a gorgeous ballroom and the hallway is from like, you know, 300 years ago. It doesn't work like that. If you see the hallways run down, you know the ballroom is run down. If the ballroom is gorgeous, you can expect a beautiful hallway to enter. The relationship of this world to the next world is that they're very similar actually to each other. In the sense that the same pleasures, the beautiful pleasures that are existing in the next world, they're already here in the hallway. There's like a, again, me'en means a little bit of it. For example, Hachamim tell us that Shabbat is me'en olam haba. It's me'en. I mean, if you live Shabbat properly, if you kept Shabbat the way Shabbat is meant to be kept, with all of its details, then you are going to experience something called me'en olam haba. Anybody who keeps Shabbat kehilcheta, the right way, the full way, meaning you stay away from the things you're not supposed to do, and you're involved in things you're supposed to do, you talk the right way, you dress the right way, you do the right things on Shabbat, you will experience me'en olam haba. There's nothing I could tell you to compare it to. If you don't experience it yourself, then you just don't understand it. If I tried to explain it to you and you never experienced it, it would be like trying to explain to a blind man the color blue, what it looks like. It's, it's impossible. There's nothing to explain. There's nothing to compare to. A person who goes to a class or learns Torah and is focused and is involved and they could actually get a feeling of me'en olam haba. There's nothing to explain. I don't know how you quantify it, but and whoever feels it knows exactly what I'm talking about. A person can do a great favor for somebody, give up a day or two or give up time or money, and they have this unbelievable feeling. That's a feeling of me'en olam haba. A person could do something for their parents, something that is going to give them pleasure, something that make them proud. And they just sit there and they wait when their parents open that gift or read that card. And they're just getting pleasure from watching their parents enjoy what they have done for them. Me'en olam haba. There are in this world things that are me'en olam haba. Whether it's relationships, love, ahava between people, children, marriage. There's so many types of olam haba in this world. The purpose of this world, when we say that it's a hallway, so it has two meanings. Meaning number one is that it's temporary. This world is temporary. Meaning number two is that it's also a world of preparation. There's temporary and there's preparation. And I'd like to discuss that today with you.
When we speak about the pledges of Olam Haba, so we must be talking about the temporary Olam Hazeh. They go hand in hand. Let me explain a little more. There is a song, it's probably best expressed by the writer of this song. The song says like this in Hebrew. Mi ashir umi samea. Who can we consider them wealthy and full of simha? It's a good question. I would have, right now we're now 36 class. So who knows how many hours we spent trying to figure that question out. And maybe there's going to be many more coming up down the pipeline. But for a song, he writes like this. Mi ashir umi He expresses it in the, perhaps the first time you hear it, you say, what? That's, that's it? He says, Ba'olam hazeh oreah. When you know and realize that you are a guest in this world, it is the beginning of your simha. Now, I think most of us would have argued and said, what? What do you mean? If I'm here forever and I think that, then I'm going to be happy. The minute I start thinking that I'm just a guest here and it's going to expire, whatever is going on here, I start to get sad. I start to get down. I don't want my life to end. What do you mean I'm an orayah? Actually, my whole life, I'm trying to convince myself, even though I know that death is a reality of mankind and nobody's been able to escape it yet. But still, I try to convince myself every day that I'm going to be here forever. Because otherwise, I'm going to get down. And now comes this song and says, no, 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 no. You got it all backwards. If you actually want sameah in this world, if you want to be a ashir in this world, you have to know and you have to live with it that you're just a guest in this world. This world is just a hallway. If you live this world as if it's your banquet hall, you are not going to be able to enjoy this world. And that's one of the biggest nisyonot of our lives that we may not be even aware of. We may be failing this challenge daily and we're not even aware of it. We don't even know it's a challenge. The challenge in your life and in my life on a daily basis is, are you living in this world as a guest or do you think this is it? This is the end. Says the beautiful song. Ha'olam ba'olam oreah is the only way you will be able to experience the maximum pleasure of this world, which of course will prepare you for pleasure in the next world. There's a beautiful story. It's not a real story, but it happens probably every day. It's a story of a man who bought a property, probably somewhere in Brooklyn. And he made these beautiful plans. After he finished the plans, he went to a builder to see how much he's gonna price him. 
So the builder takes the plans and he's looking at them. He's got this huge, huge living room, huge kitchen. He's got these huge hallways. So the builder, before he goes to price it, he wants to make sure that everything fits. He goes to the property and it's a 20 by 100. 20 by 100. He's looking at the plans that this is not going to fit in a 20 by 100. So he sits down with the homeowner and says, listen to me. I know you want to build a beautiful home, but you only have a certain amount of space here. You see these hallways? They're very wide. You can have the hallways, but then you got to make your living room very small. If you want a big living room, you can have it, but then you got to make your hallways very small. You can't have them both. The relationship of this world to the next world is exactly that. The more you try to expand your olam hazeh, the more you're focused on olam hazeh, the more you're focused on your Yaakov existence, the less you will be able to enjoy the olam haba of this world and the next world. The more you're focused, the less you make your whole way a little tighter, you don't, you're not focused so much on this world, all of a sudden the banquet hall opens up for you. Maybe you can't go fully in, but you could be right there. You could smell it. You could feel it. You could experience it. That's the relationship. Remember, one more time. This world is dome. If you live in this world the right way, then you're living in a hallway. If you're not living in a hallway because you think it's forever, you're taking away your olam haba. Because the only way to get to your olam haba, again, not next world's olam haba, this world's olam haba, the only way to get to this world's olam haba is you gotta go through the hallway. But if you make the hallway too big, you're never going in anywhere. There's no more banquet to go to. This is a very big challenge, you should know. And great people actually were defined by their success in this area of their life. There's a famous story of a, a very wealthy man that went to visit the great Hafez Hayim. The Hafez Hayim was the Gadol Ador. Till today, we read his books, we talk about him. He was a giant of a human being, not only today, but in his time as well. And someone traveled to Radin where he lived in Europe to visit the Hafez Hayim. Now imagine you're going to the Gadol Ador. And he sees that the Hafez Hayim has a home that's very, 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 very simple. Extremely simple. I've experienced this also. I never went to the Hafez Hayim's home. But I've been to homes of some great people. The one that I remember most probably is Rav Steinemann, Alava Shalom, who was over 100 years old when he passed away. He was also a gadol. And you went to visit this man. There were people in his home that were visiting him from all over the world. People would give him any money that he wanted. He was holding up the Jewish world. And you go into his home and you look and you say, come on, how could this be? How could the Gadol Hador live in such a house? First of all, there's no paint. There's no paint. If you look at his mattress, 
We have no busha. Americans, they go into living rooms, we go into bedrooms, we just want to see. We don't care. We think it's a museum. And you go into, and you see his bed, and I'm telling you, the mattress cannot be more than a few inches. This, this, it, you, you can't sleep on it. You couldn't sit on it. The kitchen is this little oven with hot water. That's it. That's it. Very, very simple. His chair, very simple. His table is like from 100 years ago. And you sit there when you go there and you wonder, what is wrong with this man? Don't you want to enjoy life? Don't you want to live? Okay, I understand. So this man, when he saw the Hafez Hayim, he said, Rabbi, I don't understand. Why do you choose to live in such simple, simple dwelling? So the Hafez Hayim asked, I want to ask you a question. He said, when you go on a road trip, do you build a home? You go on a road trip, you're going for three days on a business trip. Do you build a home? Do you go get an architect and a builder and start worrying about the furniture and about all the different things? He says, no. He says, how come? You're going to live there for three days. He said, because I'm going there for temporary. He said, exactly. He says, this world is for me temporary. I don't have any interest in any of these things. Now, I don't think we're on the level to live like the Hafez Hayim. That's not why I brought the story. But I can tell you for sure that the Hafez Hayim was probably one of the happiest human beings on the planet. Which means that it's possible to live in a world that's temporary and not care about too many things going on in your physical world and actually find happiness. Not it's possible, we're learning today, that's the road to do it. Great people were challenged by this. Look at Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he, he had two children, the Pasuk says, he called the first son Gereshom. Why Gereshom? Ger Hayiti Be'eretz Nochriya. I was a stranger in a foreign land. The next son he calls Eliezer. Why? Because Hashem helped me from the sword of Paro. Our rabbis ask, wait, isn't that out of order? First, Paro was chasing him and Hashem saved him. That should be Eliezer. And the second one is when he found a place to live by Midian. So why did he name his first son Gereshom and his second son Eliezer? Should be backwards. The Torah Haim HaKadosh says, no, no, you're not understanding the Pasuk. Besides finding a place to live, Be'eretz Nochriyah, the first thing Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to remind himself, and in those days, they didn't have, you know, phones to pop up messages every day as reminders, and maybe they didn't have the same gadgets that we have. So if you wanted to remind yourself of something really important, you know what you would do? You would name your children by that name. That every day, you would say, Gereshom, oh, oh. Moshe Rabbeinu is reminding himself, Ger Hayiti Ba'aretz. He's not talking about Midian. He's talking about this world. Ger Hayiti. I was already a Ger. When I was born, I was a Ger. I was already 
here temporarily. And then I found Be'eretz Nochriya. That came before you, Seifan Paro. So you see that Moshe Rabbeinu Alava Shalom, the greatest man in history, was struggling to remind himself that this world is temporary. So much so that he had to name his son Gereshom. So every time he would see him, it reminds him, oh, Gereshom, right, I'm a Ger. Don't get too settled in this world. Don't take this world too seriously. That's really the message. I'll say that again. Don't take your physical world too seriously. Because when you take this world too seriously, you're not going to feel the pleasures that are available to you. What does it mean not to take this world too seriously? How many people today, right now as we speak, are going wild because the carpet in their room didn't come on time? Or it came in the wrong shade? Or the paint didn't come out exactly as they wished? Or somebody made a hole somewhere in the house, their own son or daughter? And they lost their simha. The house isn't ready yet. The tile will be delivered next week. And you're going crazy. I think all of us are guilty. Of so many situations in this world where we take this world our physical existence way too serious. And it causes us a tremendous amount of anguish and suffering. You know, there's something called addiction. I don't know if you've heard of that word. Probably when you heard of the word addiction, you thought of a drug addict. You thought of an alcoholic. You thought of a gambler. And usually when you hear the word addiction, you take yourself out of that box. I don't have addictions. Baruch Hashem. I hope nobody here has any of those addictions. But you should know the word addiction is not limited to drugs and alcohol and smoking or eating. There's a, The biggest addiction there is actually is the addiction of the mind. The addiction of the way you think. A person gets addicted to his mindset. One of the worst addictions in your life is to take this world too seriously. See, when you came into this world, when I came into this world, we were not yet capable of understanding this class. For a little child, the smallest meaningless toy, if you take it away from him, it's like the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. Tears, screaming, crying. You can't make up tears. Sadness. What did you do? You took a small toy away from him. Because when you live in a worldly existence, the smallest items become so important to you. 
And you're going to spend your life miserable because you and I both know that the world doesn't operate according to your time clock and your system and the way you like it done. People aren't there to serve you the way exactly you want to be served. Your children will not behave the way you wanted them to. Your husband is not going to be the same one that you imagined he would be. The business partners you have may not be the type that you fit exactly your speed. The friends you have aren't going to be the people that exactly you want them to be. There are so many disappointments in life on a daily basis. And guess what? Then you get really smacked when one of your friends doesn't invite you to a party they're having or to a wedding they're having. Oh, and that knocks you out for about a month. I mean, of course, when people ask you, you say, I don't care. I mean, I wouldn't go anyway. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Guess what? Every time someone says, I don't care, it means take the word don't out. You have to know how to read. Take out the word don't, and it means replace it. It means I care very, very, very much. Right? That's the truth. So of course we like to save our honor. We don't like to be those people who got offended. What, you could offend me? You can't offend me. I don't care if you invite me to your wedding. I don't care if you invite me to your house. I don't care if I'm on the list. I don't care. But you do care. And it's eating at you. And you're suffering from it. And you're getting angry from it. And the anger you take out on your wife. And you take out on your children. And you take out on your friends. And you sit there with rage. And people say, what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing is wrong. Did you get uninvited? No, I don't care about that party. Anger comes from many different places. When you're feeling down about yourself. When you're feeling that you're not getting the right kavod from people. When you take this world too seriously, everything someone does becomes so blown up and so important. When you take this world too seriously, you live in a competitive world. The competition is, I'm going to be better than you. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to build a bigger house than you. Really, my house is comfortable. It's nice. I have a bed. Baruch Hashem. I have food to eat. Comfortable. But then the guy next to me builds this mansion and my house looks so hazit next to his. Look at my house. I used to be so happy with my house till that guy moved in. And finally, you know what? I'm going to work like, forget about it. I'm going to travel. I'm going to be out of my home for six months a year. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to build a mansion just like that guy. I need to. I have to. It's very important. But wait. But your wife's not going to see you for six months. Your children are going to forget your name. And you're not going to be able to enjoy the next six months. It doesn't matter. I got to build the mansion. But are you, are you homeless? No, no, I'm not homeless. But I need that mansion. I cannot be happy without that mansion. And finally, after years of work, you build the mansion. And the guy next door knocks down the mansion and makes double the mansion. That's right. And now he's saying to himself, oh no. Now I got to work another six months. Probably another six years to get that one. And then frustrations. That guy's house, bigger than mine. That car, oh, I can't drive that car. That car drives by itself. I don't do that. I got to drive like a real hazikis. I got to actually turn the wheels. Wow, it's terrible. You understand? 
Even though I have everything that I need to live. But at the end of the day, when this world is the end all, I gotta win. You know, the winning spirit is part of the human automatic mindset. Don't think that winning was taught to us by our teachers and parents. Winning is a need that every human has. Hashem planted winning in our makeup. Even a little child is already competing with the other child. Winning is something that is staying here. It's not going away. If you ask me, so why did Hashem make us with this misery of trying to win? The answer is that the winning attitude or the drive to win is meant that you should win Olam Abba. That you should win something that is real. Something that is forever. But if your world is only in the hallway, so you spend your whole time trying to win the hallway. The difference between trying to live and win Olam Abba or win in the Perosdor is a big difference. You'll say, what's the difference? Either way, I'm competing to win. It's a very big difference. Because when you're competing for Olam Abba, you're not competing with anybody else. You're competing with yourself. You say to yourself, listen, yesterday I was A. Yesterday I wasn't the best. I know that. But today I'm going to be A+. Yesterday I wasn't so good at this. I was getting angry for a long time. It's not good. But today I'm starting to change that. You know what? I used to complain all the time. Everybody asked me a question, I would complain. But today, I'm going to start to change that. I'm competing against who? I'm competing against yesterday's me. That's who the competition is. It's nobody else. And it's so nice to compete with yourself. You know why? Because you're in full control of yourself. When you compete in this world, you're not competing against yourself. You're competing against things that you don't control. You cannot control what people do. You cannot control what money they make. You cannot control what kabod they give you. You cannot control so many things in this world. So you gotta make a choice. If you live in this world as if this is the end world, get ready for a life full of frustration. Full. Everything will upset you. Everything. The smallest issue, the smallest problem in your house, with your children, with your husband, with your wife, with your friends, with your community, with everything can throw you off. Because you're competing in a world and the competition doesn't depend on you to make you happy. Ba'olam hazeh When you live and you realize, like the Hafez Hayim, I don't know that you have to give up your home right now. But... If we have the attitude of the Hafez Hayim, then you start taking this world way less serious than you're taking it. You're taking it too serious. It doesn't matter what they said. It doesn't matter. You know what she said about me? You believe what she said about me. You believe what's going on. What kind of... And you're all worked up. Stop. Too serious. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what she says about you. It doesn't matter. And guess what? Your home 
Let the children mess it up. Don't worry. It's fine. Some people walk into their house. It's like a museum. Yeah, I know some people. They tell you, when you walk into the house, go this way. There's arrows. <laughs> Do not enter. This area is not for you. But, but I live here. But it's not for you. It's this, that's the museum part of the house. Don't touch that. Don't go in. Take off your shoes. What's wrong with you? Live. Enjoy the world. I'm not saying you should have uh, dirt and, 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 and your house should be a pigsty. I'm not saying that either. But relax. Enjoy the world. It's temporary. It's expiring. The carpet is expiring soon. Either you will expire first or the carpet will. But one is going to expire. Relax. Don't, don't go crazy. Again, but we do that. We spend so much of our life exhausted, frustrated. Oh, we're making a party. We're making a wedding. Forget about it. Do not talk to people for the entire duration of the preparation. You would think it's a happy time. You know, you would think, not really, you would think that when you're making a wedding, it should be a happy time. People should be relaxed. And when you call them up, you're just going to have a talk with them and they're going to be great. And I'm telling you from my experience, someone making a wedding, do not lose their number for six months. Do not call them. Do not call them. They're going wild. Which caterer? What should we serve? Which place? Which color? What's the theme of the night? What's going on? Guys, again, I'm not saying you shouldn't make a wedding. And I'm not saying you shouldn't make nice weddings. But relax. You're taking the world too seriously. They offer you three things. Say, this one. Okay, what's the next item? This one. Ten minutes. You finished the whole thing. You want dairy? You want meat? You want meat? What? Boom, this one. That's it. Just choose the menu. Don't try to recreate the world of weddings. You don't have to recreate it. Just fine. Go into a hall. That's nice, respectable. Get a few flowers. You want to get a few extras? Hazakabaro, get a few extras. That's it. Don't. Again, you're losing six months of your happiness for a happy occasion. Could you imagine what this world could do to you? It could take a happy occasion and make you feel like you're sitting under a bus. But that's what happens when you're ba'olam hazeh, not orayah. You take things way too seriously. And I'm trying to give you examples, but there are, there are millions of examples that you probably better than me can start sharing about how we drive ourselves nuts over things that aren't important. That's because if you get ne the next time you're frustrated by worldly things, know that you're failing the challenge of Yaakov and Yisrael. On you, we cannot say, Matovu ohalecha Yaakov, mishkenotecha Yisrael. You know when I could say that on you? When I see you have a wedding in three months, and four months, and I see you calm and relaxed, no problem. I say, that's what Bil'am saw. Bil'am saw matovu ohalecha Yaakov. Look at these people. When it comes to the Yaakov, to the world, oh hell, they don't care. What's the difference? 
this, that, this color, that color, no big deal. But when it comes to Yisrael, when it comes to what's meaningful in their life, when it comes to Olam Abba, then they take things seriously. I could go on and on in this subject, but perhaps the best example and the best source in the Torah for this is a holiday that we all celebrate. It's actually a very mysterious holiday. We don't think of that because we've been celebrating it for so many years. It's actually a pretty mysterious type of holiday. We have Pesach. That's not mysterious. That's Yetziat Mitzrayim. Shavuot, not mysterious at all. Matan Torah. Sukkot is a kind of a mysterious holiday. First of all, the timing. What does it have to do with the date? Nothing. It's celebrating how Hashem took care of us in the desert for 40 years. Why specifically after Kippur? What does that have to do? Why the date is that date? And what's the purpose of this holiday? Especially when you look at our prayer books, you will find that each holiday has its own name, like a brand name to it. When you go to Hag Hamatzot, we call it Zeman Herutenu. It's the time of our freedom. Shavuot, Zeman Matan Toratenu. Beautiful. So what's special about Sukkot? Zeman Simhatenu. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't every holiday supposed to be Sameh? There's a mitzvah to be Sameh every holiday. So what are you saying? Zeman Simhatenu. That you could have said for Pesach, for Shavuot. Why is Sukkot Zeman Simhatenu? That's question number one. At least for today. There's many questions. One question. What does Sukkot have to do with Simha? Meaning, why is that the main item of the holiday? The second question is, you know, if I tell you, I'm going to give you, right now, I'm sending you on a vacation. Imagine your children or your friends, they want to surprise you with a magnificent vacation. God, you're going to have the time of your life for one week. You're going to just step out and have the happiest week of your life. That's their goal. Their goal is that you live a good life, but this week is going to be the happiest week of your life. In fact, that was, the, that was the, uh, the title of the gift. The happiest week of your life by your children. Good, beautiful. Okay, nice. Where do they put you? Right? Where do they put you? They put you in a shack with no air conditioning and no heating. So at night, you're freezing. In the morning, in the day, you're sweating. And they tell you the rules. You can't leave. Can't go outside. You got to stay here. Eating in here. No restaurants. In here. Right here. You're going to eat in this shack. You're going to sleep in this shack. Does that sound normal to you? I mean, I'm all in for living in a tent for seven days. It's okay. The Torah says, by the way, the, the real mitzvah of living in the sukkah is not like we do it. We just eat there. But really the mitzvah according to the Torah is a reason people still do that. But some, there's some leniencies. Not everyone does it. But really the right way is move out of your home and live in this shack. And it is there that the Torah says, you know what this time is called? You know what this is? The happiest week of your life. You got to be kidding me. I just built this beautiful home. I have air conditioning running from all corners. I have heating system coming from the floor. Radiant heat, even my floor is heated. 
I'm doing great. What are you telling me? Go live outside? How could that be Zeman Simchatenu? Is that the formula of Zeman Simchatenu? And the third question is, there's a very mysterious holiday that I bet nobody here understands. And you celebrate it every year. You don't understand it. It's very hard to understand it. It's called Shemini Atzeret. Shemini Atzeret is its own holiday. We make Shehiyanu because it's its own holiday. But yet, it's the eighth day of what? It's the eighth day of Sukkot. But it's not Sukkot. It's Shemini Atzeret. It's its own holiday. So why is it called the eighth day? Meaning, if Hashem wants to make a holiday on the eighth day of Sukkot, no problem. But don't call it Shemini. Don't call it the eighth. Why is Shemini Atzeret there? Is it connected to Sukkot? Or is it a new holiday? If it's a new holiday, why is it called Shemini? If it's Shemini, so why isn't it Sukkot? Guess what? You don't sit in the Sukkah during Shemini Atzeret. In fact, you're not allowed to sit in the Sukkah. You got to go back home. What happened? What's going on with this holiday? Those are the questions. The answer to all these questions is the Torah understands this class, obviously much better than the one giving it. And it understands that the main area in life that takes away our happiness is when we forget that we're here as a guest. Comes the Torah after Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, when our mind is still open. Like, if Hashem gave us this in the summer, we probably would just ignore it. People are too, they're not focused. But after Rosh Hashanah, Kippur, okay, now you're focused, you're good. Tell me what I gotta do. Hashem says, you wanna really change your life? You really wanna get a new level get out of your house go live in a shack you know in a shack you're all the same you're not competing with your neighbor even today people start competing now in Sukkot even in Sukkah you have to compete so that guy's Sukkah used to be a Sukkah you buy a few pieces of wood a few bamboos and you put it on today is all kinds of designer Sukkot it's all kind. that's not really what it's supposed to be okay? it's supposed to be a very simple life you're not looking at his house Imagine, did, ever, did anyone ever come to your sukkah and say, oh, don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't step on that. No, it's fine. You sit in the sukkah, go. What do you make the things dirty. Put, do whatever you want. It's fine. It's sukkah. It's temporary. Hashem says, for seven days, I'm going to teach you how to live your life with simcha. Zeman simchatenu. What's affecting your simcha in your life is that you're taking your world too seriously. You're too involved in your mansion living. Get out. Go outside. Be a guest in this world for a week. Now the goal isn't to live in a shack a whole life. There's something to be said about being comfortable. But Hashem says for seven days out of the year, train your brain. What Shemini Atzeret? So why the eighth day? The reason is Hashem is telling us the word atzeret means to gather. Hashem says, take the seven days, take the message of the seven days, 
Bring it all in, and I want you to celebrate that in your house. I want you to live in a nice house, but realize it's temporary. It's Shemini Atzeret. It's the eighth day. It's the production. The seven days wasn't meant that you should live in a shack your whole life. The seven days is meant to change your addiction. It's meant to change your mind. Stop going crazy for meaningless things. If I wrote for you how many things in my life I went crazy on and how many things I see daily, daily, when other people are going for something so unimportant, we get so bogged down by things. Hashem says to us, Sir, you're losing your focus. You're losing your simha. Come with me. Let me show you how to do it. Zeman simhatenu. Live outdoors. Live without competing with others. Live without the need for people to recognize you. You know how difficult that is? You know how much anger is in this world when people don't recognize me? You know how many young children are walking around angry? You ever see a little teenager angry and you say, what did I do? Why is he angry? You didn't do anything. He's angry because he feels alone, because he feels people don't respect him. He feels he's a nobody. The anger is not at you. Sometimes parents make a mistake and they start fighting with the kid because they're angry. He's not angry at you. He's angry in general because he has issues. He's a young man who doesn't come to this class, doesn't understand the values of life, and he's all bogged down with this world. And we're the same. We just get older and we're smarter. We know how to hide it better. That's all. At the end of the day, Hashem says, get out. Get out of your competitive nature. Stop looking for honor. It doesn't matter. You know, we look our whole life, we're looking for attention. We want people to recognize us. What does it matter? Who cares? Who cares what people are thinking about you? Why does it matter? I know it's easy to say, but it's the truth. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'll tell you a story. Cute story. I don't know if it ever happened, but I think, again, I think it happens every day. So there's a, there was a young man, he was a teenager. He would never walk into shul when the, when the shul is full. When he sees everyone in shul together, he would never walk in. His father asked him, why, walk in? And I can't. Everyone's looking at me, I can't, I can't. Too much pressure, I can't. Everyone's watching me. So he goes, sneaks to the back, and doesn't walk in. Then he got older. He was like 30 years old. And now he says, you know something? This, this is stupidity. I don't walk in. Let them look. Who cares? I'm going in. He tells his father, you know that? That's it. I'm changing. I don't care if they're watching. I don't care what they think. I'm walking in. Okay, Hazaku Baruch. He starts walking in every week. He comes in, he walks in. He doesn't care. And then when he hits like 40, 45, he tells his father, you know what? I realized that? Nobody's looking. They were never looking for 30 years. Nobody's looking at you. You know, we walk around the world thinking everyone's thinking about us. Right now, right now, they're probably thinking about me right now. <laughs> right now, they're thinking about how awesome I am. <laughs> right now. Yeah, wow, oh wow, yes, yes. Guys, when was the last time you did that for somebody else? Never. Nobody thinks that way about, but we live in an imaginary world. We build an island that's illusionary. We put it somewhere in the left side of the brain. And whenever we need to get hezuk, we go to the island and over there we just imagine things. We imagine how everyone loves us, how everyone is talking about us, how everyone just wants to stand up for us. 
Everyone wants to. Nobody's thinking about you. Let, let, I'm sorry you had to come to this class. I'm telling you right now, nobody cares about anybody else. Only if you find some good Jews out there who practice those people maybe care about you. Nobody else. If they care about you, it's because they want something from you. Because they need you for something. That's all. So you're living in this fake world and everybody's trying to fake. You ever see how people have a conversation? It's all fake. How are you doing? Oh, really? Great. I'm so happy for you. They're not. They're not happy for you. I promise you. They're not happy for you. And then you say back, oh, I'm so happy for you too. I'm so happy for you. They're not. not. Again, take it from me. I have a lot of experience. People say things and they mean the opposite. This is not to make you depressed. I'm not making you depressed. That's reality. And if you're in this world taking all this stuff seriously, you're going to lose your mind. And you're going to lose most of all your simha. And you're going to lose your olam Because you're living a world that doesn't even exist. And you're so worried about it. And you're so concerned about it. And you're worried about everything that's... Relax. The hafetz haim were not. Rav Steinemann were not. But there's no reason why we can't live a life that's much closer to where they are than what the world is living. That's what it means when Hazal tell us that this world is a vestibule, it's a hallway. What they mean to say is that your olam ba over there, that olam ba is right there in your life. You have olam ba right in front of you. But if you don't go through the hallway, if you make your hallway too big, you're never getting there. That's what Iyov was told. It's an interesting midrash. After this class, you realize what, what this midrash means. But when you first read it, it's very hard, very hard to understand. The midrash says that Iyov was complaining to Hashem about all the different suffering that he's going through in life. He had, Iyov had his suffering. Guess what? We all have suffering. Everybody here has suffering. Everybody's got their challenges. There's nobody that says... Now, me, I have no suffering. no suffering. Everyone's got their challenges. Eov had challenges. He's complaining to Hashem about all his challenges. The Midrash says, until God showed him a sukkah of three walls. And then Eov, he calmed down. He stopped complaining. That's the end of the Midrash. When you read that Midrash, you say something is missing. They missed some words. What, what does that mean? Someone's complaining. Imagine, next time someone complains to you, next time your son complains to you, take out a picture of the sukkah of three walls and say, here, just look at this and everything is over. What does that mean? What kind of segula is that? The answer is what we're talking about today. The challenges of this world are not easy. But what makes them impossible is when you think that this world is the world. When you know that this world is temporary, even your greatest challenges become much easier to swallow. Actually, when you realize this world is temporary, then instead of looking at the obstacles in your life, you see them as hurdles. It's a big difference. What do you see when something is in your way in this world? What do you see? For most people, they see an obstacle and it's frustrating. I'm trying to get somewhere. I'm trying to go here. I'm trying to get there. I can't do it. Something is blocking me. But if you're a Ohalim Yaakov Jew, then you don't see a block. 
you see a, something you have to jump over. You see a hurdle. It's not easy. Life is not easy. Nobody is ever going to tell you that. But the hurdles, neither is the Olympics easy for the guy who jumps the hurdles. But he's there to jump hurdles. He's not going to complain why they're in the way. That's why you're here for. You're here to jump the hurdles. You're here to get somewhere. It actually makes the hurdles of life much more enjoyable. That's what Hashem gave Eov. That was the message. You're complaining. You know why you're complaining? Because you're thinking too much about this world. Look at the sukkah. See the sukkah? It's temporary. When you realize that your life is temporary, is the time you start to become an ashir and a sameah. Don't take this world too seriously. But there's something to take seriously about this world. If you tell me, so don't take anything seriously? About the physical world? You know, the Yaakov part of my life? Don't take anything too seriously? Is that what you're saying? So the truth is there's only one thing in the Yaakov world to take seriously. This you should worry about. It's the only thing you should worry about. Nothing else. Worry if you're taking from the world of Yaakov and making it Yisrael. That you should worry about. I know you didn't understand what I just said. Let me explain. It means, it means, I'm going to give you a, First, let me, let me share with you a pasuk. A pasuk and a little story. A pasuk, the pasuk says in Kohelet, on paper, it's got to be one of the most depressing pasukim in all of Tanakh. Says Shalomu HaMelech in the beginning of Kohelet, Havel Havalim Amar Kohelet. Kohelet says, you know, this world is Havel Havalim. You know what Havalim means? Havalim means nonsense. But then there's Havel Havalim. You know what that is? That means even in nonsense, you could find nonsense. It's unbelievable. Havel Havalim. Says Shalomo Melech. not only is this world nonsense, but even it's the nonsense of nonsense. Okay, that's a lot of nonsense. Havel Havalim Amar Kohelet. That's how Kohelet begins. Havel Havalim, he repeats again. Just in case you missed it the first time, he repeats like we say Hashem Melech twice, just to make sure we get it. This world is nonsense of nonsense. And ready for the end of the pasuk? Hakol Havel. Everything is nonsense. That pasuk is enough to make people suicidal. Imagine, here you are, you're excited about the world. You're excited about everything. Comes Shalomo Melech and says, nonsense of nonsense, and nonsense of nonsense again, and by the way, Hakol, everything is nonsense. So what, what do you want from me after this? What should I do? I'm gonna go back to my bed, go to sleep, and not wake up. What, what, what does this mean? So I'm gonna tell you a beautiful story. A very beautiful story that you'll never forget. I met a man a few months ago who told me that he heard this from me once, this story. And he doesn't think he, there's a day in his life that has gone by that he doesn't remember the story. So it's a worthwhile story to repeat. 
there was a little boy sitting, a little boy that was sitting in kindergarten. And the first day of school, his teacher shows the kids on the, behind the board, shows them that they're going to learn for the next week all of the numbers, one by one. They're going to go one by one to learn how to say the number, how to write the number, and how to use the number, how to understand the number. Good, beautiful. So day one, they start. She shows them a line that goes down. She tells them, okay, repeat after me. One. Okay, everyone says one. Okay, they do hazara. One, one, okay. They do havrutot, the whole thing. Okay. Now, take a pencil. We're going to write one. They're all learning how to write one. What is one? What is it? One. One box, one cup, one table, one chair. Nice. Okay, good. Okay, finish that day. Next day, they come in. Okay, boys, today we're learning two. Beautiful. She writes the number two. Two cups, two tables, two boxes. Nice. Next day, three, four, five, six. Till they get to nine, they got from one to nine. Teacher says, okay, guys, see you. In America, they make see you on anything. In Halab, they used to learn for 50 years, they didn't make see you once. But in this country, they finish 10 lines, they make a seum. Okay, fine, it's America. You gotta be excited. You gotta make people excited. It's good. I, I think they should continue doing that. Anyway, they said, guys, we're gonna make a seum. We finished all the numbers. Hazaku Baruch. One smart little boy raises his hand. He says, excuse me. Um, I think you forgot to teach us one number. Which one? He looks back. He says, uh, what's that circle? He says, circle? Oh, you're right. He says, oh, that's zero. So the kid says, zero? Okay, so how many tables is zero tables? He says, none. How many tables, are, how many boxes zero? None. So the kid says, I don't stand. Uh, why would they make a number for something that doesn't exist? What does that mean? Why would they make a number zero? It doesn't exist, not here. So the teacher says to the young man, listen to me. By itself, the number zero, by itself, is worthless. But you put a number next to it, not only you become something, it takes that number and multiplies it 10 times. You take a one, it makes it ten. Put a hundred, ten, makes it a hundred. Put a hundred, you get a thousand. Unbelievable, what a, what a number this is. Zero, it's an unbelievable number. Who would have thought that from worthless items, you could make such big things? Says Shalom, shalom. pay attention to this. Havel, havalim. You know what's going on in your physical world? You know how much your physical world is worth? You know how much your money is worth? How much is your money worth? Zero. Repeat after me. Money is worth zero. You can't even repeat it, I know, I see. Okay, fine. Just saying, do it privately when no one's listening. Money is zero. Zero. You know how much your house is worth? Zero. I don't care how much real estate's going for. It's zero. 
Your physical existence is worth zero. Don't get excited by your portfolio because it's all worthless. Hazit, the guy who passed away and he left $10 billion. Hazit, $10 billion in one minute. He lost it in one minute. It went to somebody else. It's worthless. Your physical world is worthless. Your food is zero. Your house is a zero. Everything you own is a zero. I know you think this is some sort of comedy class. It's not. It's real. It's worth zero. Havel havalim amar kohelet. Havel havalim. But says Shalom HaMelech, when is everything in your life zero? When? When hakol havel. When everything in your life is a zero, then you are one big fat zero. You know how much a big fat zero is worth? Zero. It doesn't matter how fat you make the zero. It's still a zero. It doesn't matter. It's all zeros. Times anything by zero. It's zero. Says Shalomu HaMelech, if your whole life is Yaakov, if your whole existence is worldly existence, if it's all about your food and your home and your car and your bank account and your clothing, if it's all about your Yaakov, then you're living one big zero. You have nothing to show for it. Not in this world and not in the next world, certainly. But guess what happens? If you take the zero in your life, you take your home, and you make it a Beta Migdash. You take your home and you make it a sanctuary of Kedusha. You make it a place of Shalom. You make it a place of Ahava. You make it a place of Hinuch. You make it a Yeshiva. Your home, you can make a Yeshiva. You have a lot of students. The biggest and most important Yeshiva in your life is your own home. Unfortunately, we send to Yeshiva, so we think they're taking care of my kids. But really the biggest yeshiva for you is your own home. When your home becomes a yeshiva and your own home becomes a place of hinuch and your own home becomes a place of ahavat Hashem, your home becomes a place of chesed and your home became, becomes a place of hachnasat orhim. People call you, can I use your home for something? Of course, anytime. Can I sleep by you? Of course, anytime. My home is a place not a zero. The zero, all of a sudden, you put a number next to it, and that zero becomes so important. Your house becomes so valuable. Your house is no longer Olam Hazeh. You turned your home into Olam Haba. How much is your sleep worth? Zero. We all go to sleep. We have to sleep. Sleep. Zero, worthless. But if you sleep to wake up in the morning because you have so much to accomplish and so much to do, so much to learn, you have to pray, you have to help your children, you have to help other people's children, you're here to work, all of a sudden, your sleep is no longer a zero. You actually start to enjoy your sleep. You start to taste sleep. You know, in Hebrew, there's a word called ta'am. Ta'am means 
taste. Someone eats something, ah, oh, mmm, has ta'am. But in Hebrew, the word ta'am also means the reason. When we don't know the reason, we ask, ma ta'am, my ta'ma, what's the reason? How come in Hebrew, the same word, reason and taste? The answer is, because when you live for a reason, everything starts to taste good. When you live with a ta'am, when you live for a cause, then everything starts to taste so tasty. When you're preparing for Shabbat, you enjoy the preparation because it's not just cooking. When you eat the kibbeh Friday night, it's not regular kibbeh. Don't try it on Tuesdays, it won't taste the same. It will not taste the same. Tuesday kibbeh can never taste the same. Because Shabbat kibbeh has a reason. You're not just eating, you're eating because of Onik Shabbat. So therefore your kibbeh has a mitzvah to it. That's why when it's Hak Avinu, when he sent his son Yaakov to go get him food so he could bless him, he thought it was Aisav. He says, go hunt for me, go cook for me. They ask him, they ask, what, what does it do for me? What is it for me? It means, do it for Kibud Avaim. Uh, Yitzhak wanted to taste the spirituality of the food. Believe it or not, and you believe it because you're Shomre Shabbat. If I spoke to people outside, they would never believe us. Tell someone, come on, Shabbat food tastes different. Come, what are you talking about? What are you saying? How can Shabbat taste It does. It does. Guess what? Your mother's food tastes different than anybody else's. Everyone thinks their mother is the best cook. Let me give you some news. Your mother may not be the best cook. She may not be. But you think she is. You know why? Because there's a certain love she puts in the food for you that nobody could put. And that's the reason why she cooks. Because she wants you to enjoy. And that reason has a good taste. Tam. Mm, tastes good. That's why nobody could ever beat your mother's food. Because nobody could cook for you with such love. No one could put such a flavor in there. That's why the Pasuk says, very famous beracha, Ve'yiten lecha ha'elohim. This beracha Yitzhak gave to Yaakov Avinu. He tells him, Ve'yiten lecha. Hashem should give you mitala shamayim from the dew of the heavens. Umishmane ha'aretz and the fats of the earth. Beautiful beracha that Yitzhak gave Yaakov Avinu. But something wrong in that beracha. It starts over the vav. Ve'yiten. And Hashem should give you. But wait, the beracha begins with that beracha. It should say, Yiten lecha. Hashem should give you. What's ve'yiten? And Hashem should give you. The next pasuk, got, get it right. It says, Ya'avdu ha'amim. Ya'avdu without a vav. What's ve'yiten? Every time you say that pasuk, ve'yiten lecha Elohim. says the Midrash. A Midrash says, Yiten lecha brachot. He says, I bless you that you should have blessings in your life. Ve'yiten lecha kibushehon. And I bless you that you will have the strength and you'll have the wisdom to take advantage of the brachot that I'm giving you. You see, 
When you take your beracha and you don't use it for anything, it actually becomes your curse. When Hashem gives you a talent and you don't use it, it will come back to hurt you. Hashem gives you money, you don't use it for the right reasons, it will, it's called Asher Shamur Lib Alav Lera'ato. There's a wealth that actually hurts the person. So when I sat in this class and told you a few minutes ago, guys, don't take this world too seriously. Come on, let things slide, let things go. Be mevater. Somebody's fighting with you. Call them up. Say, forget about it. Let, let it go. Put your arrogance away. Who cares? Stop fighting with people. Stop arguing. Stop getting all wild. I told you, don't take this world too seriously. I was afraid that you weren't going to take anything seriously. But there's one thing to take seriously in this world. And that is, are you taking your zeros and turning them into big numbers? Are you taking all the gifts that God gave you? That's something you should be worried about. You shouldn't be worried about the zeros. You should be worried about turning zeros into real numbers. Turning your life into a life of Olam Haba. Turning your hallway into this huge, beautiful ballroom. That's what you need and I need to, excuse me, to worry about. And that's what happened by Yitzhak Avinu. The Pasuk says by Yitzhak, Vayigdal Ha'ish. The man became great. Vayelech. And he went. Haloch Vegadel. He kept on getting bigger. Ad ki gadal me'od. Until he became very big. What does that mean? Says the Hatam Sofer. It means that Hashem blessed Yitzhak. Vayigdal Ha'ish. Hashem gave him so much beracha. When Hashem gives you beracha in life, be careful. Especially if you get a big beracha, be careful. The bigger the beracha, the bigger the zero will hurt you, or the bigger the number you can make. Berachot are not free. Hashem doesn't give out gifts in this world. He gives out assignments. He's giving you an assignment. He gives you something, it's because you need to use it. He gives you a home, it's to utilize it. He gives you money, it's to give it out. He gives you whatever He gives you, utilize it. Vayigdal ha'ish, Hashem gave Yitzhak a tremendous wealth. What did Yitzhak do? Vayelech, Vayelech means He took it to the next level. He said, if I was doing this before, now I have more, I'm going to do more. What did Hashem do? He made him greater more. That's the life cycle of a great person. Hashem gives, the person takes advantage, makes it into big numbers. And then He gives you more. And again, and He gives you more. That's the way you live life. You don't worry about Yaakov. You worry only about making a Yaakov into a Yisrael. That's how you're going to get to a life full of simha. You know, in, in Judaism, we, unlike other religions, we don't discount or belittle the physical world. The opposite. We take wine, which is the representative of physical pleasure. And when we have a wedding, 
we bring out wine. When we make Kiddush, wine. Brit Milah, wine. Pidyon, wine. Every time we have a celebration of Kiddushah, we take wine. Because in Judaism we say, the physical world is not something to put it on the side. No, 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 no. The physical world is to be used and elevated. That was the Hidush of Abraham Avinu. Most people don't know. What was the Hidush of Abraham Avinu? That he believed in God? There were people before him that believed in God. Shem Ba'ever already had a yeshiva. What was special about Abraham Avinu? Abraham Avinu was a man who taught humanity that you serve God by doing someone else a favor. When you, dump, when you do a chesed for somebody, you're getting closer to Hashem. You're lifting your physical existence into a spiritual entity. You know, there was a story about a great rabbi. They found him in a store buying this beautiful, beautiful refrigerator. Something that he had nothing even close to it in his house. So somebody asked him, Rabbi, who, who is that fridge for? He said, oh, there's a guy who lives down the block from me, Hazid, doesn't have money. I'm buying him a fridge, he needs it. So they asked the rabbi, I don't understand. Your refrigerator is not even a tenth of that refrigerator. So for yourself, you bought this little teeny refrigerator. For this guy, you bought this gorgeous refrigerator. How do you explain that? He says, let me explain to you. He says, my refrigerator is Olam Hazeh. His refrigerator is my Olam Haba. When you do things for yourself, that's for your Olam Hazeh. But when you do something for others, that's your Olam Haba. That's turning Yaakov into a Yisrael. I'm going to tell you one more thing. You can walk out, by the way. Just, I'm going to tell you one more thing. I have to tell you one more thing. I must tell you this. Everybody Hashem gives different talents. Some people have, like I said, money. Some have extra money. Some have extra, extra. Some have a tremendous talent in the way they sing or in the way they talk. Some people have an influence. They have very socially, people have a love to them. They have hen. Everyone's got their thing in life. Some people, they can't get a, a, a mouse to follow them. Some people, they can get an entire city to follow them. Hashem gave people different kohot. And everybody has to know what their koah is and to use it. One of the greatest things that we are all given, and hopefully you're given that too, because sometimes you lose it, is free time. There's nothing more, more valuable than time. Time is the time right now that we have. This morning, some people lost their time. They just finished, they expired. We have time. When you have time, that means the, the nair is lit. The candle is lit. So long as time is on your side, are you using it? Are you utilizing it? Are you going to learn more than you, you could? You could learn more. Are you reading when you have free time? Are you helping people? Are you visiting your grandmother or somebody else's grandmother? Are you using your free time? Of course, it's a time to relax. There is a time to relax. Don't feel guilty when you relax. As long as your relaxation is to revive your energy, that's a good relaxation. But if you're working so you could relax, that's not so good. In this country, most people work five days to relax too. 
That's not the type of relaxation we're looking for. We're looking to relax two days so we can work five. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Utilize your free time. You're, you're in a car, put on a class. Don't waste your time listening to things that are not worth anything or the news, listen to the news once. You have to do hazara every 22 minutes. It's not necessary. Listen one time. If you want to know what's going on in the world, if it, if it excites you, and that's it. Put on a class today. There's so many classes today. You could become a gaon in Torah just by listening to shiurim. There are so many classes in halakha, in musar, in midot, in hinuch, in marriage, anything. Don't, don't catch yourself doing nothing. It's not a good thing to do nothing. Time is precious, but time is a zero by itself. Turn the time into a Yaakov. Ma tovu ohalecha Yaakov. Mishkenotecha Yisrael. The question that everybody here has to ask themselves is when you look in the mirror, are you able to see a matovu on your forehead? That's the question. If you could see a matovu on your forehead, it means, whoa, what a life this is. What a person this is. Matovu, you're amazing. You're simha, you're matovu. Are you able to say that about yourself? Says the Bil'am Arasha. Let me tell you when you get matovu. If ohalecha Yaakov, if your Yaakov is an ohel, is temporary, if you're not taking this world too seriously, Mishkenotecha Yisrael, but you're taking seriously your real purpose, which is the Yisrael part of you, and you're turning the Yaakov into a Yisrael, then you could say on yourself, Matovu. That's my blessing to you and to your entire families that you should say, you should look in the mirror and see the pasuk cloud and clear right on your forehead. By the way, there are certain people, you could look at them and you could see the pasuk. You need to be, each and every one of us needs to strive to that. That's my berachah to all of you. Hashem should bless you with all the gifts of Yaakov to turn him into Yisrael. Baruch Amen ve'amen.